this and every episode of the Old School Red Hill Podcast brought to you by People State Bank, Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport, the Andrews Insurance Agency, and Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. Let's go white. Constance Irway, Mike Mann, Homecoming, Free Fair Band, Kim Atkins, Debbie Scott is dancing, Ferguson on the... Another episode of the Old School Radio Podcast. We are happy to be here. We hope you are too. Thanks to our sponsors, Gray's Restaurant in Bridgeport, for the final time, it appears. Oh. Tyler Griffith's Pizza House, People State Bank, and of course, the Andrews Insurance Agency. No script tonight, no guests. It's just no gonna research. Be nothing. You're just going to be uh, eavesdropping on our conversation. So uh, Unscripted. That should be the name of the show, I think. Gary Emmons is here. David King's here. Chip Jamerson is here. And I am Brian Emmons. How's it going, fellas? Pretty good. Pretty good. Sad about the Grays news. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to yeah. be I, I assume yeah. that's going to be a topic at some point tonight. <laughs> right. It might yeah. be a topic I, right I, now. I mean, Dave might have just opened up the first topic there. I um, was just listening back to our very first episode and because I, I thought this was the case and the Grace commercial was the first thing that other than the trailer when we did that song just to tease Bill was coming on and the Grace restaurant, they were our first sponsor that signed on and they were the first thing we played of, of anything. So, And those th- these previous 73 episodes aren't going anywhere, we hope. So... You can always go back and listen to those. Relive <laughs> unless you all listen, those. Unless you listen on Spotify, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's hard to believe the the amount of meals that were that were had there. I put it on their Facebook page to Todd and Becky, and from family reunions that we had back there. I think my first memory of Gray's was yep. Brian and my my grandma's side of their family, and they lived in you know Arizona and Northern Indiana and Wyoming. And when they came to town, that's where we went to Gray's. Everybody and, went to Gray's. Yeah. You, you felt like you walked in there and it was standing room only packed house. So you got your table and, you know, those are some wonderful memories of Gray's. And then I, I go back to even when I get a little bit older and uh, the, the meals like we had, the, they hosted the meals after like, well, in 92 Red Hill wins the uh, regional at home. 93, we win the sectional at home and we went to Gray's afterwards for a celebration. And, you know, it was, you felt like you were a king. Number one, you walked in the place standing ovation and you're 16 17 years old so you feel like the greatest thing on earth anyway and it's like the whole town came together to that one spot which was always so special and then i get into an adulthood and then that's a different grace you learn a different grade when you get to be an adult and yeah. post football games especially if you if we upset somebody or it was a big win and you went to grace after the game and then you had grace after hours which some people we're privy to the Gray's after hours uh, times that you had. And this, uh, we can probably say it safely now, serve yourself at times. And, uh, oh, my gosh, just what a what a place. And uh, you can't say enough about it, what they did for the city of Bridgeport. And I love Todd and Becky and the family to death and, and everything they did for that town. And I, I hate to see them go, but so happy they're going to move on into their retirement and enjoy their family and enjoy their the rest of their years. You know, when, when that news came out on Facebook, was it, I guess – 
end of last week or the weekend, whatever. I got a text from a buddy of mine over here in Montgomery that uh, he does the the B three podcast with me, Mike DeCourcy, and he said, "Give me a Davies Davies County um, equivalent of of this closing a comp a comp." There you go. And I said, "You know, Deco, there's it would be Red Bones, except Red Bones doesn't have people drive from all over." to come on a Friday night to eat catfish or, or whatever. And, you know, it's a it's primarily a local crowd or maybe somebody in town for a ball game or something. But Gray's was a destination for people that, you know, um, a lot of Vincent's people and, and, and even farther. I mean, that they, they came over there. And, and I said, kind of like what Gary just said, and I have stories and memories of that place as a kid when I would try to balance and walk across the parking thing out there, that yeah. metal pole. And I've got adult stories where I probably stayed in there and got overserved. I mean, in, in, in everything in between and um, lunches and dinners and it, you know, for a town like Bridgeport, you don't have, you got a lot of good memories. You got a lot of good places. We don't have many institutions. And I think that is the, that's the definition of, of what Gray's was to that to the town. For sure, for sure. Well, um, right, another another memory, but you know, one of the we talk about this the '93 basketball team. That's where we went to eat before we took off to Charleston that day. You know, mm-hmm. we got to we left school at noon or whatever time it was, and the whole team went out to. That's where we went and had our pre basically our pregame meal. I don't think there was maybe there was you know snacks or whatever before the game, but you know we went out and loaded up and and uh, you know we left from Gray's and basically. Went to Charleston that night, you know. So I mean, it's a special place. And like, how many times I called nine four five nine five zero one and went out and hit that buzzer on the back and waited for food. I mean, how many times did we do that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's crazy. Yeah, that that but can you guys hear me? Yep, yep, yep. We're good. Okay, wasn't coming through my. Um, yeah, that that. That window in the back. And I'm glad the window is still you have to prop it up with a piece of wood to get it to stand up. <laughs> it's still that way today. So And I loved uh, as a kid and you could stare into like where they stored the beer and stuff. I loved yeah, just oh, studying yeah. what was in there. Yeah. Seventy eight years. Wish them well in their retirement. And I think we're gonna maybe try to get up there this Saturday night. I think we kind of briefly talked about that. I don't know if that's May have to call and make a reservation. I'm sure the the business is picking up. I'm assuming everyone's actually, want to have their have a actually, last meal there. Yeah, actually, my mom went. She had lunch there at noon today. Said it was absolutely packed. Yeah, uh, yeah they got so, they got there especially early, anticipating that. Yeah, they they were swamped. Interestingly, the the guy that sells them their food um, lives like four doors down from me, which is kind of funny, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sad, but you know, like you say, you're happy for Todd and Becky that they get to retire and, and, but it's, it's sad. Um, Dave, now were you, you were more of an adult eater at Gray's? Did you guys eat there much? As yes. Uh, since they, and I'm sure others, other families in the area had, you know, had that, but since it was a tavern, we'd, uh, we did not partake, we did not partake of that as a kid. You yeah, religious reasons. Well, wasn't that uh, so. idle, idle wild? Was that what? Yeah, idle yeah. wild. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Actually, I think uh, I think I ate there for my first time in college. Okay. 
Yeah, um, 21, 22 years old, and then uh, really had only eaten there once, and then I ate there several times with Brian um, in the summer of 99 when I moved back here and uh, worked at the Enterprise store over in Vincent's for that yeah, summer. Cool. And you were in the area, and we met we met there several times for lunch. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of where it grew on me. Chip, what percentage of meals that you had there was a cheeseburger? Um, gosh, that's a great question. Eighty, yeah. And it really, <laughs> I started off with a twenty-one piece shrimp for years, uh, so that's why I'm what had to really think about it for a while. And I've had the occasional steak in there, but definitely most uh, I, carry out that. Well, I mean. The shrimp was big for a while, but yeah, it's been cheeseburgers the past thirty. I don't know years. that I've that I've thirty seven years. Maybe had more than one or two steaks at Gray's that I know of. Of course, it was cheeseburgers. It was every once in a while the grilled chicken. They had a great grilled Did, chicken. Didn't you order a barbecue there once in a while? And sometimes yeah. I would do a cheeseburger and a barbecue sandwich and French fries. I would really? do that every once okay. in a while. So yeah. I, I mix it up a little bit here and there, but. Uh, very few steaks over my years there. I can remember one time we were, this was would have been there eh, early 2000s, and Chad Harris from Lawrenceville, um, we were having dinner with him and his wife, and he said, I'll bet you $100 you can't eat 10 of those cheeseburgers. And I said, I don't want to take your money that bad. Like, I could do that with no problem. <laughs> but, and the one, the, another memory I always have, it's uh, – the one little tiny poker machine that sat up right there in the corner. And the only person I ever think of playing that poker machine was Bob. <laughs> Bob Climber. Climber, and, yep. and I'm sure there was some hundreds of other people that played that poker machine over the years. So I that's don't, the one person I remember sitting there playing that pokey. I don't, I don't know that I, that, I mean, that's obviously, I mean, Hey, here's one. Who's your memory of coming to the window back in the uh, belt. That's easy. We discussed him a year or two when he passed away. Um, Larry McBride. Yeah, is that, my, He's my oh, wow. I mean, I know that other people did, but I would, I always think of him, him doing it. Oh, never, yeah. never a window, never picked up. Oh, a oh you dang. missed out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, now I was with, I was with the Putney family a couple times when they, when we, oh, they were a window, them. window group. Yeah. Okay. And they, we'd pull in John would uh, John, big John Putney would go, would go up to the window and get the food, but we'd stay in the car. Oh, I, I loved it too when you order like several meals and they would put your whole food in like a like 24 a, pack of beer, beer like the yeah, holder, yeah. the little wow. cardboard holder. I mean, oh, wow. yep. <laughs> Just a great Screen use of them. resources. That's you know, right. Yeah. yeah. They've gone more today to the like the Walmart sack route. Um, but yeah, the that was the best way to get your food. And I'm <laughs> yes. sure there's for for huge orders, I'm sure that's still used yeah. today for the next for the next uh, nine days, Ugh. unfortunately. So. Well, anyway, we loved it, and we, we love Todd and Becky. So that is uh I guess there's, I guess there's news. another stopping me from uh, rectifying the never going to the window situation. Yeah, yeah you, you can do it. Well, you got time. I've, got, I mean, I've got nine days. Yeah, so. I mean, you don't want to have it go away without that memory. Yeah, you have to experience the window being propped up by the piece of wood. You've heard about it. you got to see it for yourself. Well, there used to be some great things carved into the wood, like the little platform that you uh, – uh, uh, I feel like I've never seen Greg Laughlin's name. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Something like that comes to mind about Greg Laughlin. I don't know why. That's what I'm remembering. Some, oh, I think no. his name was written on there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what what's next, guys? Um, what else? Well, that's what I had on my agenda. Okay, well, uh, thanks for that. Good show. It was a solid, solid Let's show. 
I want to talk about Brian. I'll play the song that I asked you to play for me. Right. I want to talk about. Here we go. Motley Crue the so- coming in. The song you hear is 1989, my freshman year of football. And leading into that football season, Dr. Feelgood. And when I hear that song, I immediately think about the Red Hill High School football locker room. And I thought it would be a good opportunity the, the time of the year we're in. We all experience double days. Mm-hmm. And I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about double days a little bit and how the feelings that, that yeah, it was a very unique feeling you got for, for double days. And I, I talk about from feeling of excitement and dread. Both. <laughs> exactly. Right. I mean, it was a great combination of that. And, you know, you, I, we've told, we've talked about it several times, but you let off with your, the week of uh, uh, the conditioning week leading into uh, one night yeah. at Red Hill State Park, one night at the high school, back to Red Hill State Park, and then a couple back nights at the high school. Friday night culminated with your one-mile run, which I thought was interesting. You had Lyman running a mile, and <laughs> that's what we did. Lyman ran a mile in seven minutes and 30 seconds. Better. They did. I think I had like a 530, I think, somehow. <laughs> My, uh, Coach Thank Evans' is, uh, Coach Evans' stopwatch, I think, may have been busted. But Thank you. Think, you know, think you could do that today? No, maybe on a bicycle. <laughs> yeah, it seems like Gary has learned in recent years that um, that t- our times were not always as good as they we thought they were on the mile run. <laughs> yeah, I don't the think so. did break every once in a while. Um, at one time, that was my record. I think I did six fifty two that night. Yeah. Um, I've done a little bit better since, but not much better. But yeah, for many years, six fifty two was my record. I would. But, I felt like I was sprinting around the track, and I would. I would just slide in under, right under that seven thirty mark. I mean, somehow I, I, I felt. I felt like I was at like a hundred percent effort. Which now we know you weren't actually sliding yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think we all experience. We all because with uh, we all experienced this, and I love the, the the day that you got your equipment and you all went down to the the, the base of the locker room underneath. Underneath the gym, underneath the underneath the stage, basically. Yeah. And that's where all the equipment was held, and that's where you went to pick up your the seniors and juniors got to go one day, and uh, sophomores and freshmen got to go the next day. But there's that feeling when you would go. I'm sure Chip probably picked me up for my first double day. I have a feeling. Uh, picked me, but sure you know, seven seven thirty practice, and that dreaded feeling of having just like your cotton cut off sweatpants or whatever and clothes we wore back then. Wet. And then you have to get down the dewy, <laughs> wet grass to do your stretches, and I just still remember that feeling. When you when you brought up this topic, the first thing I thought of was just that gross, wet feeling, getting down there or rolling around in the grass, stretching, and yeah. So I mean that, and then just the whole idea, and then you like you practice from what seven thirty to nine thirty or ten o'clock. We got the middle of your day off, then we came back later in the afternoon to do to do the second session. I don't know if they still do double days. Are they allowed to do double days anymore? It, it's rare. Very you're, There's certain hours you can practice. I know a very few school. I saw one team the other day was like doing practicing twice. I saw it on Facebook, but my guess was it was like fresh off in the morning, varsity in the afternoon, or vice versa. Yeah. But yeah, there's a with the hour limitations. I don't think very many schools do it. I know when I, when I student taught at Robinson, like they did a. They did it all in the like late afternoon. So they did like a like a four hour stretch with like an hour break in between where someone would bring, you know, of course you weren't eating heavy because of the 
the obvious reasons it's 100 degrees and it's hot and everything but you know they did all theirs at once and i think billy does all this stuff in the evenings now they don't do yeah. do it traditionally the way we the way we used to do it but that that was quite an education as a freshman coming into your first double day scared to death and you were under what, the what, gun you were going to play well probably yeah well we probably didn't know at the time but i mean for my freshman year for sure you learn pretty quickly that there was a lot of us that were going to play and <laughs> uh, knowing that you had a uh, salem and mount carmel and you know, it was a bit nerve wracking. And I just know during that season, I was standing on the sidelines and David C was a quarterback for the first seven games of the year, but you know, he would get sacked and you're like, I'm sitting there thinking, Oh God, please get up. David, please get up. <laughs> I was not, I did not want to go to the game, but it was kind of thrust into action in the week eight against all, uh, all long. And so, I'll, you know, I'll never forget my first double day in the morning, whatever, whatever day, you know, Monday morning, whatever it was. After we got done with our stretches, I think I told this story before, but I was handed a tack one of the tackling dummies that you hold <laughs> that you hold yes. on to your thing and watch Jimmy Worth get about a fifteen <laughs> yard head start and <laughs> like a bull. <laughs> probably didn't know how to brace yourself or anything. You never held a tackling dummy in your life, probably. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. sure you didn't really know how to like put I, your leg I, back. I, 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 start, I probably started cringing about. <laughs> Five seconds before he actually got to me. Before yeah. impact. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't just Dave's first football practice or double. Or that, first, was, that was his first time ever yeah, at football. a football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he skipped the junior league football part oh, of it. Yeah. So that, oh, yeah. And you've got one of the hardest hitters in the NEC just barreling <laughs> down on you. <laughs> so even with, even with the big uh, pad in front of you, it probably hurt like hell when Jimmy ran over you. You go flying. Well, I know I've told uh, yeah, you. Yeah. I was saying, I've told this story before too about, but then when you just said, well, you know, and you'd go eat and you don't want to eat too heavy. Like I fell asleep at pizza hut with Neil. Um, so <laughs> evidently we weren't too worried about that. We went to the pizza hut buffet. Yeah. But we didn't practice again until I think like four or five o'clock. I think, I mean, <laughs> so you had a little bit of time. I always have a good, food. a good nap, good afternoon nap. Yeah. After I took mine in a booth <laughs> at least that day, but yeah, love, loved help week. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, that and how did how did you get your practice pack? That's what they used to call them. So you got a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. They all had a different saying on them each year. See, I don't think we had that. Maybe. I think you Not guys did for sure. I, so I think remember, I remember in ninety. It was like tradition. Eighty eight was a six or more. Yeah. Why not? Or six? Or, was it was it on the front or the back? Six or more than what? Uh, None of us would know. I don't know. It's all front or the back. It was, it was either the front or the back, and then the other side was why not? Question mark. State yeah, state in '88. That was a good prediction because it, it, it came yeah. true. It did. Well, you right. had to attend. You had to attend at least four of the five. Um, oh. hell or uh, conditioning weeks to get your right. practice packs. So you had to at least go to I think four of the five nights, to then get your practice pack that led into your. That you know everybody wore to practice the first day. Typically, we all we all wore the same outfit to, to get yeah. in there. But yeah, yeah there's always Coach Evans always picked a saying every year, and I can't remember what I think. I know one was like the together everyone achieves more team. Course, you know, there was one of those. Of course, Bagger. Who knows how Bagby did it? We didn't get yeah, a practice pack. Yeah. Let's see how would he even we had, to uh, do? We had bandanas. We got the bandanas oh, yeah. and the machine on. <laughs> oh yeah, which I still have. I I still have mine it's too. They're, it's in like, my underwear drawer. They're in really? my it's, it's in my old uh, it's in my old room over over my mom and dad's house up in the up in my old dresser. 
So it's when was Bagby hired again? Up. June? July, July, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So like literally not even probably a month. Yeah. To come down here. 26 years old and got it all prepared. <laughs> and and I know there's a lot of guys, Tidwell and uh, Kelly. I don't Kelly listens to that. A lot of guys give this, give this guy a bad rap and I still don't get it. I don't understand. I mean, I don't know what they, what they expected. I mean, the talent level was little just, to nothing. We had I mean, the win state. We had two guys back that played significant time on well, the Kelly playoff. and Bubba. Well, no, I'm and, not and, including and, them. I'm Shane Brown and Jesse Met are the two. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. play. I mean, Kelly and Bubba were Bubba more. Bubba, I'll say three. I'll give Bubba credit. Kelly not as much um, as a of a major factor as a sophomore, but uh, yeah, he was a, I mean, he, was a, he was solid practice team. But yeah, he was he would have been special teams. Mostly as as in a so, sophomore year, so. four returning lettermen from the team. Yeah, and we're gonna we, have Coach Bagby on soon. We have to because the guy was not dealt the best hand to start <laughs> off with the season, and, and yeah. one everywhere else. And I'm not, right. and I'm not saying that the people that have given him some grief on the site are wrong. I wasn't there. I'm not arguing this point. I've given a coach of mine that is dearly beloved it's, some hell too. However. Um, I'm anxious. Uh, I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to know what, what it is that was so bad, you know? And, yeah, and, well, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I, I may have said this back when we did the, I don't 88 or one, one of the earlier episodes, Vince Lombardi could have been our coach that year. <laughs> we would have still went one and eight best case. More than, more than maybe, listen, maybe oh and nine. And this right. is a guy, and this is a guy that went on to Vince have Lombard, some yeah, tremendous Vince success. Lombardi might not have started Chip Jamerson. At that right. Left tackle. Left tackle. <laughs> Cause Chip, I mean, he went on to some real success. Like, yeah, one everywhere. Yeah. Like Southeast, no football success takes him to the, Playoffs. We'll get into it more when we have him on the show here soon. But um, yeah, Springfield Landfear. What's Landfear done since Bagby left twenty years ago? I don't think they made the. I don't think they made the playoffs in the last twenty years. I'll tell you that. Well, um, that tells you something. Well, there you go. I tell um, you what, though, I, I, you know, and we'll talk. I will always hit, hit on this in any Bagby discussion. But I thought we were going to win the state. Yeah. Well, when we started motivated. the season. <laughs> He had us thinking we, we were, were going to win every game we played. Maybe that's and what the, they get so mad about. And the very and the very first play of the season, the very first play of the season, I'll never forget it. Casey hand Casey gets the ball first, handoff to the running back. Tidwell comes over the middle and stuffs him, stuffs him at the line, or like for a one or two Here. yard loss. We're like, prepared. We're like shit. We're gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the next play he probably ran in for a touchdown. <laughs> Yeah, they scored early, I remember. <laughs> they were good. They were very they good. They were very good. But motivator extraordinaire. And I don't know, I'm sure he, that was what was what led him to some but you gotta have that. You gotta have yeah. that skill yeah. in you somewhere. And he oh, had yeah. that skill. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. It's yeah, so the bandana's there with the, the Evans comes back in ninety. I can't remember the exact practice pack. It was something about um tradition and success, some play on words with it was gray with Blue writing, uh, of course. I, I don't um, remember that one. At yeah, all. shorts and shorts and shirt yeah. with the slogan. Yeah, but those remember. are my, my two. I don't remember my really. senior year one at all either. But yeah. I still, but I've still got the I've still got the shirts from the freshman years. So that's odd. Do you ever think about quitting when you guys were getting pounded? No, 
No. I never like I I've told I people fun. this all the time. Like I it was fun. I don't know how it was fun. I really yeah. don't. Yeah. Right. Listen, I won four games in two years, so I mean I'm right there with you. I mean, we got our ass handed to us a lot. Yeah. And I don't recall ever being like mad or upset or like this is bullshit. Like I don't ever remember any of that. I just yeah. and I look back on it and think how much of a great time it but, was. Yeah. And football was always my favorite sport to play. And of course, once you're done with football, you're never playing football uh, again. It's never going to be right. like that ever again. So right. you know, it's uh well, I'm the same way. We we weren't any good. We and and I came into it not really a football player. I sort of played because I felt like I should and mm-hmm. and. I I will always I loved basketball and and I ended up you know not playing basketball my senior year and I truly was sad at my last football game in yeah. Lawrenceville and um, well, my my favorite you know, listen I loved the guy that was coaching yeah. the team and I'm not yeah. gonna bullshit you I yeah mean, I'd, I'd love Bill Evans my favorite my favorite year of football was my junior year and that was by far our worst team oh yeah uh, my four years but it's fine that chip. Chip, Gary, Borja was there, you know, Borja was there that year. And yeah, it's that, provided, it's provided, provided all sorts of comedy with his with his kicking ante, you know, with his uh kick, with his kicking uh, prowess. Yeah, it's, it's those relationships and that yeah. camaraderie. I mean, that's yeah. what keeps you yeah. going and, and all the great memories that were built. So yeah, never considered quitting. I, I can mean, yeah. I can tell you that and you know, not to get all sappy, but I remember I distinctly remember we had a party at Neil's house, not like a, you know, some of our other parties, like a, like a cookout and that type of thing at yeah. Neil's house. <laughs> and I think I'm almost positive. It was Mount Carmel night. So we had gotten drilled. That's I told this story on the podcast where I almost died at halftime. And, <laughs> but I remember standing there at Neil's like hail hay bales and you know, nearly the whole team was there. And I just remember the music was playing, you know, and I remember thinking like, this is, I, I, I love these guys. This is awesome. Yeah. And, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, the camaraderie is, is unbelievable. What was, I remember the story real quick where I think chip, I don't remember what game it was, but I remember Kyle Turner losing his mind and screaming, Block for me. Yeah, that was down at Fairfield in 1990. <laughs> yeah, I believe oh. he grabbed John Phipps by the back of the shoulder pads and was shaking yeah. <laughs> Phipps at center. I must have been playing right guard because Phipps was right on my left. I yeah, that's the view I had of it. And what did he uh, say? He was just Look. screaming. Block for me! <laughs> he was getting destroyed every play. And it wasn't that John Phipps was blocking any worse. He just happened to be the one standing right in front of Kyle Turner. Yeah. And it was the one who got who got shaken by him. Um, Why was our line play historically poor? Well, we didn't have much size. Well, there wasn't a real lineman coach. There wasn't. I was going to say, line, line once Gaither came in, and I think Tony learned. I mean, I, Tony wasn't a lineman when he played. Tony was a, a skilled player, but I think he we learned it a lot. But before you think about it, when you typically had, you didn't. There weren't enough coaches to teach. Yeah, because because yeah. we did you know, have some size. I just don't think we 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 necessarily. And and I know I from wherever I happened to be, I didn't block very good either. Well, even like Chip tells a story like when you like. How'd you know who to block? You never knew. There was no techniques. There was nothing you learned. And, and I will say I, this: being a, a at times a a sixth, fifth, sixth football coach, that is easy 
from the stands to sit and yell, block, just block. When you start trying to figure out who blocks who, and there's times when you're playing a team and it feels like they have 15 people out there because you cannot block them all. Yeah. It, it it's tough. I mean, you know, no listen, every team's like this. I'm not saying Red Hills any different, <laughs> but you are one short cuz somebody's got the ball. <laughs> so yep. but so you're trying automatically to block, you know, 11 well, sure, or 10. Don't, don't you have a story about who to block? I think I think of that like when you talked about like who you're supposed to block. Um, I have stories and Dave has stories. I don't know if Dave has a specific. <laughs> I, I, I just basically I breathe I breathe a sigh of relief every time when the lineman was just right in front of me, head up on yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, that one's easy. Man, straight yeah. ahead. That was great. Otherwise, I was like, oh shit. Do and I you guys down? did all. Do I go down a block or do I get the linebacker? Mm-hmm. Like who do I? Get? At that time, you're all still man blocking, right? There's no zone blocking. No, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't think you, you might even talked about it. I don't even I think zone blocking was a thing at the time. I didn't even know it existed. Yeah. Zone blocking existed. I mean, really, the Broncos did. They make kind of made that famous in the in the yeah that wasn't a thing in the late nineties. Okay, I remember. Th- I remember thinking like watching those teams and like watching their blocking techniques and when I was like, man, that would have been. I'd have been good to know. Like, yeah. Well, I'm telling well, yeah, you, we, there were times as a sixth grade football coach in Batesville, Indiana, that I felt like we were trying to block the Denver Broncos at times. <laughs> some of those teams, and well, I know, like, like against, especially Lawrenceville and Mount Carl. I remember Lawrenceville because they were pretty good, and they had some big boys: Lance Blocker, Jeremy O'Dell. They they had like they put like Everybody. a five man front yeah. and those they played a five three and like they were constantly blitzing like every play there was either two or two or three of them and it's like I know when there's only five and you're trying to block eight I don't you know you have to get lucky and somehow. it seems and simple we'll just dump it over the top of them but it's not I, there's I, never there was never enough time yeah. for that or it didn't feel like there's ever a time for anything the but. second half of the of the last game my senior year when we you know play in Lawrenceville. And Tim Nolan was here, and Lance Blocker was blitz. They were all, all of them were blitz, and that was the worst. That was the like the worst half of football I think I experienced, like in my entire high school. It was, it was terrible. We couldn't do anything. <laughs> we only had to do just one, one play. We make fun of we, my, uh, we hang around with Adam Fry quite a bit. He's a, he's my age in the class of '93 in Lawrenceville, but. Big the listener. ninety the ninety one football game was we call it the toilet bowl because we were both zero and eight. Lawrenceville somehow had not scored a touchdown that entire season, never scored a touchdown. Oh my goodness! And I don't even know what. And they, you know, Lawrenceville always had some decent talented kids. And even like us, like we got beat a lot. We typically scored yeah. in most of our games. We got shut out once in a while, but like they didn't. We, sc- I don't think we got shut out my senior year. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. I think so. we scored six points, at least six points every game. I mean, Bob, had Bobby would run up. He'd run off a, a good run yeah. at least once a game. And they finally scored a touchdown. We'd scored, I think, like six nothing. They finally scored their first touchdown of the year. You would have thought they won the Super Bowl. They're going bonkers. They kicked the extra point. They called it no good. <laughs> Maybe it was. It was controversial. They went over the top of the crossbar, I guess, and they didn't count it, but – um, and then we end up beating them in, in overtime that that year. Is so, that the I mean, year like, that Dink always brags he was the team's leading, leading scorer? Yeah, <laughs> he's always touchdown. <laughs> All right, let's move on to something else. I've got a topic that I want to talk about. Actually, first, let's take a commercial break here, and uh, we'll be right back. Uh, I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Old School Red Hill Podcast. We're looking for insurance. We hope that you would call the Andrews Insurance Agency at 542 Main Street in Bridgeport. 
Terry Andrews and Justin Shear are your independent agents and they're your professionals for all of your farm, commercial, and personal insurance needs. And they've been strong supporters of Red Hill Athletics for decades. So if you're brought down by a pack of dogs, get off your seats and on your feet and see T-Bone or Juice and give them a call at 618-945-2881 at the Andrews Insurance Agency. Summer is typically a time of year to spend time relaxing with family and friends, and People State Bank knows everyone's longing for a vacation. Well, this summer, whether you're able to travel or you have to be more creative within your own backyard, you'll have a chance to win while you relax. Beginning on June 15th and running through August 15th, People State Bank is inviting members to grab branded beach balls at the branch or at participating local merchants. Then you snap a photo with your beach ball and post that to People's Facebook page with the hashtag PSBTravel23. Each photo submission will be entered into a monthly drawing, and one grand prize winner will take home a $500 Visa gift card. Whether you travel around town or around the world, take People State Bank along with you for the fun. See the fine folks at these convenient locations in St. Francisville, Larksville, Sumner, and of course, Bridgeport. Always looking out for the community, People State Bank. For Bridgeport style pizza, go across the street from the dog pound to Tyler Griffin's Pizza House. Whatever kind of pizza you want, just call the Pizza House and they can help you out. Open Tuesday through Sunday, 4 to 9, and dine in, carry out, or delivery. Call Griffin's Pizza House at 945 Food. All right, we are back for our Just Talking episode. If I say the name Harold Tucker, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? Jerry Lewis Telethon. Cubs. Sports and Spurs. Okay. I was thinking uh I, I was thinking about the telethon today as it's uh starting to approach here and, and um it, one of my goals of this podcast is to start doing more interviews and, and you know I think Harold at some point would be a really good one because he had his hand in so much in what Bridgeport was. And as I was looking up just things about the muscular dystrophy telethon that, that Harold ran uh, in Bridgeport, I, I did run across one thing kind of leading back to another episode. I found, and I, I'm positive we didn't talk about this, the 1973 Little League coaches were in the Vincent Sun commercial. Do you remember seeing this? No, I don't. Um, was this the thing where it talked about the gifts they gave to the coaches? And no, no, it's just a list. Okay. And it had the oh, box okay. scores for a bunch of the games. But the Moose was coached by Jerry Smith and Bill Gray. Okay. The Legion by Mike Kurtz and Randy Ernst. Really? Yeah. Okay. Randy, what year? This is so, he, Randy had to have been young, right? 1973. The Lions... Mike Ray and Mark Buchanan. Really? The union was John Gray and Stan Stoltine. Two people that I always associate with one another, despite (laughs) the fact they have nothing to do with one another. Well, I didn't know. (laughs) Evidently they did. Maybe it's because they're former union coaches. Uh, The bank was coached by... Taught right down the hall from each other. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it always seemed like people that had Gray had Stoltine for some reason. And I don't know. Anyway, yeah. 
It's kind of like Olney and Flora. I always just kind of <laughs> lump them together. Uh, First National Bank, managed by Harold Tucker and coached by Bruce Purcell. Oh, so good, good combo there. Anyway, bank coach. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I didn't and know. that reminds me, we were kind of talking together when we were looking at some of these articles a few weeks ago online. I love the old Little League traditions that they used to have during this era where I saw an article about like the postseason. They would have a big awards night down at the pavilion, of course. Yeah. Um, and the team would gift yeah. the coach uh, a gift. And uh, I believe maybe your dad, Marvin Emmons, got a fishing pole or something yeah. from the team. Yep. They bought, bought, him, bought him a fishing rod. So, uh, and like one team, they bought him a jacket. Uh, their coach of jacket. So it was like a tradition. You at the end, they would, you know, talk about their team and the yeah. season and all the kids and everything. And then the kids would present the coach with this gift. I, I, I am disappointed that that tradition I feel didn't like, last into the 80s. I feel like we did that, but I don't, I mean, but it wasn't anything like that. I mean, it wasn't like a, you know, it's right. You had the awards night, maybe a gift certificate, you know, degrees. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't ever remember an awards. I do remember that, um, Mike Smith took us to Only Pizza Hut. Um, oh, for, and it was a very delayed postseason meal. This was like in um, February of '85. Oh wow! What? Really delayed? <laughs> so, <laughs> I was thinking so, like late August or something. Yeah, I remember I was watching like St. John's and Georgetown basketball. Oh, so wow. I know it was like that '85. Is like the Chris Mullen Patrick Ewing as I waited to get picked up by the Smiths for our '84 team celebration. Um, but yeah, yeah. we. So, yeah, it was just all coaching. If you wanted a party, it was up to your coach to um, arrange that, and Mike Smith obviously did. The undrafted Mike Smith. Yes. Uh, I still I still feel bad about that. Or not for me. I was hey, Listen, I was Bruce and TJ all the way. I, I, I didn't think I was going to get Doug Hardy. <laughs> I fully blame Chip for that. But anyway, I got to think about Harold and the muscular dystrophy and, and all the stuff that he did around the community. Like you said, Coach Little League, coached, I think he coached football, and he was obviously big into uh, wrestling boosters and football boosters. And But so when, when the Muscular Dystrophy Association thing started in Bridgeport, this was in, I believe, 70 – I don't have the date on there, but I believe it was in 76 or 77. Well, I didn't know. We started that early. Well, and it was – and I don't know if Harold was always in the JCs, okay. and that's what kept it going, but he, um. the JCs are the ones that, that did it in Lawrence County. Um, talked about um, they went door to door collecting and, and different things. And then there was a really big article in the, in, uh, the 1984 – paper uh this is in the vincent's paper no this is lawrenceville um just talking about uh they they went in and interviewed harold and it said outside the pavilion at lanterman park in bridgeport cloudy skies were threatening rain and the air was heavy with cool mixture blah 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 the scene monday morning was the center of lawrence county's drive to raise money for Jerry's kids. Phones were temporarily quiet, a band setting up but had not yet begun to play. A handful of people were hovering around the food counter and sitting in at the stage, a bit bleary eyed, been up now, you know, all night, was Harold Tucker, chairman of the Lawrence County chapter of the MDA. So I don't think it's JC's by this point. Tucker, a thirty-five <laughs> Tucker, a thirty-five year old Texas boy employee and father of two healthy boys, was making <laughs> preparations for the stretch drive after a long night of nonstop entertainment. 
We had bands playing till 2.30 a.m. Monday, and we have a lot planned for today, including a male beauty contest at 3. And uh, <laughs> they said, so what do you say you're doing it today at 3 o'clock? But this was his seventh year, so 77 was his first year. Um, and then he just talked about how he got involved in the first year. The auction raised $633. And, and then it, one, one uh, part, let me find it. He says, just as willingly, however, Tucker cuts short the credit where it's not deserved because he was given all the people that helped out credit. And it says, people think these phones show up here that, that show up here are donated because they had a bank of phones in, in the pavilion. I was about to ask about how that worked. Okay. This, this well, is here good. we go. People think these phones just show up here and they're donated. He says with a nod to the four-man telephones on the stage, I hate to complain, but it just makes me so mad. They are not donated. General Telephone charges us $350 to use these things for two nights. What? I'm not a telephone man, but that just seems unreal to me, especially when everyone else is is just giving their time and money. That takes away from these kids who are out here collecting quarters. So, um, interesting. Interesting. Uh, did, not only yeah. did I just find out some information on that, but that was an interesting little tidbit. Yeah, Shiv just opened up like 8481-4171-8971. Just yeah. open up those phone lines yeah. and free, yeah. free of charge. But, but um, yeah, yeah. If I, interesting. If, so if I remember back in the day, like if you watched uh, Johnny Palmer and the crew, like at the bottom of the screen would be a crawl and it would like a Bridgeport nine. That's how it worked, right? Right. Uh-huh. Yep. And then you got, if you called that number, you got the you one. Got me one uh, there was one overnight hours one time, um, myself, Kevin, Tana Holtz, uh, and Rana Holtz. We, we were the four phone call people <laughs> that were taking. Was it not just a breeding ground for prank phone calls back then? Was you know, I, I don't pranks? remember it being, um, I remember one time I called up and donated some money and then because what they did, you called and pledged and then they sent you something in the mail that mm-hmm. you then mailed oh, it back oh, with your okay. money. And, yeah. and I remember mom saying, no, you're sending that money. And I had to pay for that myself. I thought it was, thank goodness yeah. I didn't donate. See, I didn't I, pledge too much. I, I never would call the Bridgeport number. I would always get permission and call the Terre Haute number yeah. because I want I want to be in that stack of cards that Johnny Palmer is holding. <laughs> yeah. Everybody that um, donates. So I knew I wouldn't get the credit if I just called Bridgeport. But, and I don't think Johnny ever read my name. He may have. I can't remember. But I don't think so. But, I would remember. But any other memories for that from that telethon? I, I remember going down there one time. I feel like maybe my uncle Roger took me and this was like, this would have probably been back in that 77 era. And I remember there was a guy, it was a band was playing and I was, you know, eight, nine years old and, and the, the band was playing. And it was really loud. I mean, I was kind of scared quite frankly and walked in there and, and there was a guy sitting there and I, I, I remember this like it was yesterday. He's sitting on a table long hair, dark glasses, and he's like shaking his head yes to the music, and then he'd shake his head no, and then he'd shake <laughs> his head yes. And I remember thinking like, I wonder if he's on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> I think he probably was. But uh, My only story, I really, I mean, there was just a feeling surrounding that telephone and how big of a deal it was back then. But Kids do not I, know that. No, they'll never get that feeling. But the night we spent the night at the Ray's house, and there were some bad boys took off in the middle of the night to go down to Lanterman Park, yeah. I think. 
It's already been discussed on the pod. You can, yeah. you can go back to a past episode to find that. <laughs> but no, as I mentioned, one I was one of those kids. I mean, I had to go to apologize to Mike Ray the next day. Um, Mike hadn't known I had left. I had I was made to go to his front door and ring the doorbell, and he came to the door, and I had to explain what I had done. And uh, that wasn't an easy conversation, I'll tell you that. How did you guys get caught? I don't think – I don't – I, or someone I had just told, told? No, I had told my mom and dad. And, uh, um, okay. Then they weren't happy with it. It was, yeah. it was an innocent trip. Just rode our bikes down to Lairman Park and back. Like hung out the three in the for, morning. We were probably there, probably there five or ten minutes. So, uh, but, the adults, seven, but the adults were responsible for you. They didn't know you were left. <laughs> right, you know. right. I you with, get it uh, as a parent. Bank legend Sean Potts was part of that. I know that. So. He's on. He's on my team. He's my little <laughs> team. But yeah, it was, and, and, and the kids now will just—they'll never understand. And it—it it kind of sounds funny now, even to talk about it. You know, this TV show came on it on what well, I know WGN Channel fourteen, Channel two. Um, I'm sure. Oh yeah. And and we you know went from what saturday evening to or uh no sunday evening. sunday evening yep. to monday and and it was always a big deal to watch jerry sing that last song and and but raised a lot of money and, and i i looked it up to 2015 is when that all kind of okay away. i saw jerry do a fun thing one time because it was so late he'd been up for 20 30 straight hours i heard so i need some scotch tape to keep his um <laughs> his eyelids open. That was a great joke <laughs> that was jerry that did that not harold Tucker. Yeah, yeah. but anyway cool. um i'm i i really i'm talking about you know we've done coaches and teachers but um I, i'd like to interview harold i think that would cause yeah he, i'd he love was, you some local legends he was integral to uh to bridgeport and and things back in back in those days and and you know if if you know if we can't do it sometimes it's hard to get all of us plus a guest you know we may do some interviews once in a while on our own and then just plug yeah. it into the show and and uh because i think there's a lot of people out there you know uh tj mcclellan's another one that we gosh he headed up so many things and by the way small town music festival went to like it was still going at 2016, I think I saw today. I oh wow. Well, surely it left for a while and came well, back. Well, I, th- I think <laughs> I don't know, but it was still. There. Yeah, I think I think Chucky Ash tried to revive that. Oh, yeah, is that what it was? Yeah, yeah I, I did. So, okay, yeah. bringing but, back the memories. Yeah, I didn't know. I I thought that was just a couple times back in the 80s, so I was I was surprised to see that. But yeah. Anyway, my question is um, leading from Harold on um, who's some people maybe not necessarily associated with the schools that you'd like to interview or or have thought about them. Well, my route, I was going to go, I don't know if it's quite some, I'll go this route. Maybe we can interview the guy. I hadn't thought of it. So um, I was going to give a shot since we're talking about local legends. This guy's like, we didn't really get to experience the legendary part that hopefully the kids do today, but I want to congratulate David Gravy Gray. Oh, I I had written that down as a topic when we knew we were just bringing some topics to the show, but heck, I'll interview him. Um, But yeah, retired after 30 years, That's 30 awesome. years at the United States Postal Service. Oh, wow. And um, here's what's scary. I, I mean, it's great. He was there 30 years and all that. I remember when he started, and it really doesn't yeah. seem like 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, my, my first year up at EIU, he had gone 
a little later and got his he was getting his, working on his teaching degree during my first year up there, which was my sophomore year in college. And I got to see him a lot up there at that during that because I think he was in the education program. Um, but yeah, and I th- so I think he started right after that semester, like so in like 90 because that was 93. Um, so yeah, old number 10 on the hardwood. Yeah. Um, played for the union. Um, so uh, yeah, but he'd be a good interview. I mean, to us, we don't think of him as the legendary mailman because we haven't lived there during that 30 years. But to young kids, he's the only mailman they know. And that's um, true. Yeah. So thank you for your service, David Gray. And maybe he goes along with your topic there of yeah. who would we like to interview? Gary, you got anybody? It'd be fun. Well, I know I keep telling me I don't oh Doug Hardaker doesn't fit now. I still think Doug needs to be interviewed. I'm trying to think if there's any other like Bridgeport people that would be interesting to I don't know. Well, who are you thinking of? Well, I mean, I already said Harold and and uh, and definitely TJ. Of course TJ kind of fits in. He was a little league coach, but so also was Harold. Um, but I don't know. We'll have to think about that because I'd like to get more interviews. And, and like I say, they, you know, they all don't have to be, you know, two hours and, and, but there's, I think there's people around town that, that yeah, worth I think there's lots of interesting people in the old school realm right? that didn't score a thousand points or rush for a thousand yards. I mean, you can be an interesting Red Hill person without having all of those athletic accolades to right. your name. Yeah. So I'd like to interview some of the people that weren't the superstars as well, as well as the superstars. I, I want to get T-Bone back on. I mean, we, we had him for a short time one night, really just talking about the Capitol Classic. But, I mean, you talk about a guy that can turn a phrase, tell a story. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and Steve would be good. They'd be good to have on together. Um, yeah. Be good, but – um, do we want to talk about our project or we want to wait one more, maybe one more podcast? Well, I'm ready to no talk. Time like ready the to talk. Okay. We'll go ahead and do, we don't make a, a big splash, but we're going to tell you what we're working on <clears throat> and we're going to need your help as listeners and, and businesses. And, and we're going to, we're going to ask for people that are interested to help us out, but we are undertaking a, a bit of a project, and we're just now in the kind of exploratory phase, seeing what we've got, but we've got somebody that's going to do it. And the Old School Red Hill podcast is going to lead the charge of digitizing the Bridgeport leader. So those Bridgeport leaders will be online for anybody to access and and use for research or just for fun. I have a blast reading these old newspapers and and we're here in the next few weeks we're going to work hand in hand with the lawrence county historical society and we're going to get these things online it'll have its we're not sure yet we're going to work with like say the historical society maybe even the library where the daily records are um but but they will be online maybe on their own site maybe in in combined with one of those and you will be able to just on a few clicks access Bridgeport leaders. I think we've kind of started um, with that first wave. It is it is a, a somewhat. I mean, it's it's costly. It's going to cost us some money. We'll talk about that um, at at some point when we're ready to really start fundraising. Um, but we we are as a podcast, we're going to make a healthy donation. 
to get the ball rolling. And we're going to be, I guess, a little bit selfish in as the people that are kind of heading this up. We're going to start with the years that we use for this podcast from 1973 to 1993. And then as we raise money, we'll, we'll add um, years to that. I was shocked to find out the Bridgeport leader that are bound and, and accessible go back to the 1930s. Yeah, that's crazy. But it's, it's just like we're so, uh, I guess, uh, spoiled that we have these Vincent Sun commercials and the daily records. And as good as they did, for the most part, covering Bridgeport and Red Hill, those once a week Thursday Bridgeport leader. I don't know. I'm not sure if it was always that way. That's the way I remember it was always on the Thursdays. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. to cover like the Little League stuff and more of that things that just were not covered in those other newspapers uh, widely would definitely be. And so oh, it's really I can't wait. And to have those digitized, because like, you know, literally right now, if you want to read those, you have to literally go to the historical society and make an appointment or whatnot or, or when they're open. That's the only chance you got. So like to have those digitized for people that don't live in Bridgeport or don't live in the area and to have those at your fingertips and maybe we're the only ones that do that a lot, but uh, it, it'd be great to have those digitized for sure. And yeah. and Chip, you know, I mean, it's going to open up all kinds of new avenues for this podcast. Oh, we could just do a whole, uh, was here and there, was here and there, Jim Herring or Ann Polk? Was that Jim Herring's column on the left I side? I feel like yeah. that's Jim. Okay, so. That's my first. That's yeah. my so, first. Yeah. So we're going to yeah. call it here and there by Jim Herring. I mean, we could just do a whole podcast on the Herring's camping trip. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, um, you could go summer by summer and get to all the fun stories from when the twins were little till their, till their later year. Yeah. Um, that's just an example. You're going to get all of those for 20 years. And you think we've dug into Little Chancy, League now. Chancy Landy's news. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah, yeah I, and of course I, the Ann Polk art column would always have good stuff in it as well. Um, I can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. I think it's going to be so much fun. And, and, you know, I know Dave's dad and mom at the historical society, they've done a fantastic job. They've got those bound, but let's face oh, it. They, they didn't get those bound. Those are, they were doing it. The, the okay. Bridgeport, the Bridgeport leader, oh, okay. Jim Harry had them bound at the end of every year so they've got oh, okay. so they've got instead, those over instead there of putting them on microfilm he had he had them physically bound yeah. and so these these were then donated to the historical society um after the after the paper gotcha. closed. so but i guess you know it, those things are, are in a book and yeah. those books at some point it may be three generations from now are going to get lost damaged stolen something yeah, and i i think the next step is is to get these things online yeah. and and yeah and we can access them and and i can't i can't wait and and like i say when when we're ready here and i'm gonna say i don't know within the next month we'll probably start our fundraising and we haven't exactly figured out how we're going to do that yet, but but uh, you'll hear about it and we would appreciate your support to to preserve what is just you know um, we say we're the we're trying to be the oral history of Red Hill. This will be a a a, a digital version of the history of our town, and and I can't wait. 
K5 and 6 Center News by Jane Harper. Yes, I mean, there how you go. are those going to be to read? <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're super, super, super excited about this project, and, and we're going to get started on it. And, and I don't want to overpromise, but I would hope, I guess my goal would be by January 1, we can do our first Bridgeport Leader um, podcast episode. And I don't think that's out of reach um, so we're, we're looking extremely forward to that. What else we got? Anything else Chip, tonight? You have? I think Chip had something maybe. I had, well, David Gray was on my list, so I, I was able to sneak that one in. Yeah. And, um, and, and congratulations one more time, Dave, on your, on your, uh, retirement. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think, and Dave's young, I mean, he's got other plans post-retirement that I don't think have been disclosed yet, but, um, be interested to see what his next step is. Um, let's see. Maybe you can restart Let's the Bridgeport break. leader. Yeah. <laughs> it's a um, first day of school time. Yeah. I know over in Indiana, Brian and Gary's kids have already started school. Yep. Uh, one of them's right there on yeah. our camera, right? Dylan's now. in day three and she's not just in day three of this year. She's in day three period kindergarten. Yep. Yeah. So, um, First day of school, let's go Red Hill High School. Do you guys have any memories of your first day, or was it just a regular day? You just rolled up the punches, and you just walked into Red Hill High School like you've been doing it your whole life. Any are memories we, of – Are we talking Are we talking first full day of school, or are we talking the half day? That half oh. day, freshman year, half day. What do you got, I, Dave? For freshman year? You're coming off, you, you've been practicing with these guys for a, for two weeks now. Honestly, that first day was just almost. A <laughs> he just remembers break. how it, sore he was. It, it, well, it was a break. It was a break from double days. Uh, yeah, that, that's <laughs> yeah, that was the official end of double days. Was when the school was, you were down with double days. days so, so I was just happy that that was over. <laughs> I can remember what I wore the very first day. I, I had on jeans and a, um, a like a golf shirt, like a, a navy blue. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. A navy Dang. blue. Uh, Izod golf shirt with tiny red horizontal stripes on it. That, okay. that's I'm sure we wore our practice packs when we went probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. What, I do remember. I don't know if I had planned on just walking in. I think there were some nerves associated with it, but oh, I, how could there not I would be? Just, I don't know if I was just going to walk in and hope for the best, but I'll tell you what, I got to give credit to this guy, Matt Gentry, great friend of mine. Um, he, he, Moved out of Red Hill after his sophomore year and went to Salem, but he was Red Hill from kindergarten through tenth grade. Um, Matt Gentry moved. I, yeah, I'm with oh, Salem yeah. junior. Did I know year. that? <laughs> Obviously not. I'm sure, at the time. Um, but luckily, I talked and we talked on the phone a lot back when you used to call your friends on the phone and talk to them. And um, we were talking. He had obviously been talking to Tony West, and so maybe the three of us were all kind of not sure what to do that first day. But I was so glad that Matt had arranged this. We were all going to meet. I like got Tony's whenever I think he was on bus fifteen. Whenever wherever bus fifteen dropped Tony off, or vice versa, Tony and I were going to wherever Matt Sumner bus dropped them off. Uh, we were going to meet and walk in to the girls' gym together. So. Uh, that definitely helped because otherwise I didn't have a plan. I had no plan of action. So that was the night. That's probably 9.30 p.m. night before. Um, but other than that, and I remember, um, like, didn't we like, get our schedule that day? Like, I don't that have, like, I don't remember. Like, I don't think you had like, two it weeks ahead before. Yeah. Because I think I remember, like, there was, like, table set down the girls' gym on the floor. Yeah, that's I what I remember. Like you yeah. got it that like, day, eight, yeah. Like A through J here and going to my yeah. place and getting my schedule that morning. And I remember 
my first class on that first full day would have been biology with Mrs. Susan Walker. That was my very first high school class when we started the classes. But yeah, got that schedule that morning and um yeah, and it- well, I'm sure I was probably lucky because I'm sure you took me to school. So I was going to school the junior, yeah, you know. Yeah. So I was probably, you know, and already yeah. got to got some of the freshman scares out of the way of football practice. That always sure. helped a little bit too. That so. did help. And then, uh, but I, that's what I remember is going in the in the girls' gym and getting your schedule. And I remember if Mr. Rice led an assembly that day or I think not. So. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I remember somebody walking through. I think it was your first day with a rebel flag wrapped around him or something. So um, I'm sure that was Jared. Jared Thacker. Thacker I remember that story. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I knew somebody. Wa- I can see him walking across the top, of, like kind of behind where we would have been sitting across those main windows there, walking down that little aisle with the My wearing f- as a cape. It had to have been him. My yeah. first, my first, um, my first class was Mrs. Poland's class. Wasn't Spanish. Did she do language arts or some sort of? Like that? I only knew her Spanish. Yeah, I only knew her Spanish, but... Maybe it was Spanish. Nah, I would have taken Spanish my freshman year. I don't think. Eh, maybe. I don't know. I, mean, I just I'm know sure most mis- freshmen do. Oh, they do? Okay. Well, then yeah. there you go. Um, that was my first class. And then I remember that PE class was... Oh, my God. It was like third hour. It was all... Almost all seniors. And it wasn't the seniors that like were in, in band and chorus. I mean, they... This was a crowd that was ready to beat some freshmen. <laughs> yeah, you told some stories. Yeah. You told me some PE stories. Before, oh yeah, from that class. Yeah, yeah. It was. Hey, uh, real quick, was in the the yearbook was was Jared Thacker class rebel by chance? Uh, yes, sure I believe he. Was. Well, I mean, he <laughs> award, set the tone so. day one. Then I'm sure he was. Uh, yeah, he set the tone. Hey, let's talk about our next episode because, but I do want to do this again. Oh, this has been fun, man. This yeah. is just. Come, talk. come with some topics. I mean, this, this is great. Yeah, I hope I hope people enjoy it. I'm having a great time. This is what we do. <laughs> this is what we do. That's what the podcast is supposed to be. What we do. Yeah. Um, next episode, we're going. Since it's going to be football season, we're going to talk about quarterbacks, and that's going to be the third in the quarterback series on the Old School Red Hill podcast. Yeah, we did like seventy three through eighty three. Last summer, we did two episodes, 73, like to 78 or whatever, and 79 to 83. So it looks like we're ready for like 84 to 88. Oh, that. And, and I think one guy is going to dominate a lot of those um, yeah. later years on that. We'll see if how uh-huh. good your Red Hill memory is, listeners. Who that quarterback is, we can't say now. We'll talk about him on the show, but yeah. Might not be a lot of. There's only gonna be a few people. We and I just maybe. when we did the last one and then going through. Hold on, I'm maybe I'm messing up on Sean Grisman. Would he been the class of '83 or not? Football of '83. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. So '83. That season, yeah. That season he had '83. When I got to go into those stats, like yeah. I was blown away and shocked by. That you was know, a how many really, yards really he was, good he was throwing for that That's year. That's why I didn't play. A, they didn't need me, and B, I wasn't gonna be like King and just be out there, <laughs> like <laughs> holding the in the bull arena, just holding the red flag for the bull to charge. <laughs> I had no interest in that. But anyway, so next episode, um, and then we're gonna shoot. We've we've got a got a game show coming up here in the next few episodes. Um, I have an interview. I need to try to arrange with somebody. Yeah, that, the, the, I don't want to positively say because i haven't arranged yet but talked to him a year ago and was all it was all four coming on the show so yeah so we'll do that um and then you never know and like i say i hear 
sometime maybe as we approach the holidays i want to get back into doing some interviews and and we may have some mini shows on our own just interviewing people but who knows if you've got an idea for a show throw it out there listen we love your comments we we you know some of our big listeners that come in a lot carrie hill debbie scott uh julie grismer lots of yeah. lots of comments that we have <laughs> our moms love the show yeah definitely <laughs> um so all right anything else guys no i don't think so all right the show fun. is good time written directed produced by gary emmons david king chip jamerson we write our own material if you could hit the subscribe button that helps the sponsors know that you're listening and we usually end the show with we are red hill and let's go white but i think it's only fitting that we end the show this time with one more time in the next nine days let the gray family cook for your family today